Welcome to the 208th installment of Ear to the Ground, the Land Stewardship Project's podcast on family farming, sustainable agriculture, local food systems, and local democracy. I'm Brian DeVore, editor of the Land Stewardship Letter. Ray Archuleta is called the soil guy for a good reason. There are few soil health presenters that are as dynamic as he is, and his talks are extremely popular on YouTube. In his high-energy presentations, Archuleta shares the basics of building ecological and economic integrity on farms and challenges farmers and natural resource professionals to take part in the soil health revolution now emerging in agriculture. He sees no reason to separate our farm fields and pastures from natural ecosystems. In short, he calls for farming in nature's image as much as possible. That means keeping continuous living cover on the land 365 days a year, avoiding tillage whenever possible, and integrating livestock onto the land via managed rotational grazing systems. Such a system provides the land with the surface armor and living roots it requires to not only stay in place, but build organic matter and overall resiliency. That means it can cook up its own fertility, manage water better, and stay productive even when faced with extreme weather conditions. Archuleta knows what he's talking about. After 30 years as a USDA Natural Resources Conservation Service soil conservationist, conservation agronomist, and water quality specialist in New Mexico, Missouri, Oregon, and North Carolina, he retired in 2017 and founded Soil Health Consultants, LLC, and the Soil Health Academy. What makes Ray's presentation so appealing is that he is not afraid to admit that for much of his career as a soil conservationist, he was doing things the wrong way by treating soil in a reductionist fashion and not considering the big ecological picture. He now sees it as his mission to right those wrongs. Archuleta recently spoke at a series of Land Stewardship Project Soil Builders Network workshops in southeastern Minnesota. As expected, there was standing room only at these events, and his PowerPoint and hands-on demonstrations fired up the crowds. Ray's talks also provided nice introductions to a series of panel discussions involving local farmers who are implementing their own soil health practices. This podcast features an excerpt of one of Archuleta's Minnesota presentations, which touches on everything from ancient history philosophy, physics, and microbiology, to social science, basic human behavior, chemistry, and everything in between. As you will hear, somehow Ray was able to bring it all together into one cohesive whole. It's this demonstration, this changing modern agriculture. I am personally convinced it's these demonstrations. Today, the soil is going to speak to you. This is a very powerful demonstration. In fact, with this demonstration, I had a producer in the back one time in Indiana converted 30,000 acres of cover crops and no-till by this one demonstration. Connected. Got it. This one demonstration. These young men here are going to help me. I um, Come up here, guys. Get closer. And I'm going to show you. It's called the aggregate. It's aggregate or slate test. Okay, guys? This is our beloved Missouri soil. You're going to be Missouri soil, Austin, okay? That's a no-till soil. Hasn't been tilled. You're going to be Noah the Missouri tilled soil. So when I use the word tillage, think of disturbance. That's an ecological term. Disturbance. To disrupt. No disturbance. And this young man, I want you to look at him as very disturbed. I mean the soil. <laughs> That's that up. No, I, I bet you're president. Yeah, you're disturbed. No, I don't feel bad. My wife tells me that all the time. You are disturbed. <laughs> okay, now we have our beloved Minnesota soil. I picked it up on the way as I was driving up here. I go, ooh, ooh. Uh, 
And Rochester, I said, a nice teal field. And so I stuck it in the microwave, it was wet. So you're another disturbed soil, Stephen. And we got Texas disturbed, Jake. Now, do this on your own farm. Now, it's not this late test. This test, the aggregate stability has been known. Scientists knew about aggregation since the 30s, even sooner than that. I don't understand why it was not taught to me in a way that I, a slow person, could grasp it. This should have been taught in all of our soil schools. What these guys are going to do are gently going to drop these clods, these pads, into the water. The way it works. Now, keep in mind, it is only one indicator of health and function. There are many tests that the scientists do, or a doctor, to determine health and function. The doctor will do a urine test, fecal, saliva. They'll do CAT scan. They do all kinds of tests on you because you are a complex ecosystem within your own right. The soil is the same way. It's just as alive as you are. That's what we're going to learn today. Now, the indicator here is you take the dry soil. It's got to be dry when you do this. And you gently drop them in the water. If it falls apart, that means you have no integrity in your soil, no structure, no biotic glues, no organomineral complexes. You call it organic matter that is holding the sands and silts and clays together. Do you notice how these guys here are close together? We are aggregated together. We are grouped tight. The glues hold the sands, silts, and clays together to create pores. If it falls apart, that means the glues are not going to be there. There's not going to be pore space. The water's going to run off. Gently drop them in. Here we go. Our no-till. Missouri conventional. Here's your beloved Minnesota falling apart. Here's Texas. I love getting soils from the local area. Because if I got soils from all over, man, you're going to say, man, it sucks to live in Texas. It sucks to live in Missouri. Because it does not happen here. That's what you would tell me. See, because we have taught our people, now notice, yours isn't as cloudy. Why is that? Why is your soils, they're falling apart, and you're going to find out they're slaking, but they're clear. Why? Actually, because they're inherently good soils. You and Iowa have some good inherent soils. Let me give you an ex ex explanation of inherent good soils. Inherently, my wife is an awesome singer. Inherently, I'm a horrible singer. I do not have that gift. Your soils, most of these areas were in the prairies. They were built by how? Grass and buffalo in the climate, you have awesome soils. But look how it's getting cloudy now. Look how cloudy it's getting. But look how Texas fell apart. More brittle than soils. This particular soil in Missouri is brittle. So what happens is, when you have inherently good soils, why is it hard to teach soil health in Iowa and Illinois and places like this? Because your soils are incredibly resilient right now. But yet, I have guys with very, very poor soils out yielding you and with less inputs. Your soils are still not functioning. Now, let me explain what's happening right here. The moment you till, guess what happens? Look at this no-till soil here. I'll clear it. The moment you till, you wake up bacteria. The bacteria start eating the glues. See, when you infuse oxygen... You wake up these bacteria, they're called copotrophic or our strategist bacteria. They start to consume the glues. 
and they consume and they consume. They're going through a self-healing, self-regulating, self-organizing mechanism. Nature's trying to heal itself. So it'll cannibalize itself, eat itself, so the, the microbes die, release nitrogen back into the system, and wake up the weeds. Weeds are nature's healers and scabs. Tillage stimulates weeds. The soil is trying to heal itself. Let's make it very clear. The most destructive thing we do in agriculture is till. Nature does not till. Nature does not invert itself. It does not disc itself. Do you know the, the, the disc is the most destructive tool? That's why the highway department uses it. It's great for making runways and roads. It destroys the forest space, destroys the glue. The real name for tillage should be is tillage side. Kill the house. Fungicide. Kill the fungi. Herbicide. Kill the plant. <coughs> Insecticide. Kill the insect. Tillicide. Kill the house. It's destructive and we are going broke. You see these soils here? These soils are leaky. You're always going to have to put lime. You're always going to have to give them nitrate. Nitrogen. They're addicted to chemical fertilizer. They do not hold calcium well. They do not hold the micronutrients well. This is why we as, our, uh, as a people, we are sickly. We can't take up the nutrients. A sick soil, sick plant, sick animal, sick human being, sick climate. It starts with the soil, ladies and gentlemen. See, these soils, you see this soil right here? This soil, I can get into the field two weeks sooner. I can hold up my tractor. I can hold up my equipment when I go out there and I have to put manure out there because I have the glues, I have the structure. They, the glue makers are the fungi, the earthworms, the bacteria, all the arthropods. The life makes the glue, guys, and they make all the nutrients available. So let's make it clear that soil is alive. So notice, you see how the little, you see the, the clays? That's why our lakes are filled of chocolate. That's why we have a lot of sediment load. That's part of it. That's why we have massive wind erosion. The glues are no longer holding the clays and sands and silts together. So let's make this very clear. These soils are always dependent on, they're addicted to high inputs. Nobody likes to hear that, especially the government. When I told them these soils are addicted. So they're addicted to lime, to fertilizer, to phosphorus, and all these nutrients. These ones are very efficient for cycling nutrients. We have farmers no longer put lime anymore. If you do the cover crops. No-till is not the answer. It's the whole system. We sold no-till wrong. No-till just stops the destruction of the house, but it doesn't feed the factory worker and the glue makers. We forgot that. So let's make it clear. This is a system that we do not want. Now let's prove that. We're going to make a miniature water cycle. Now notice it's only 8 inches. Now the rain comes from thousands of feet, and it comes at 20 miles an hour. We're going to see which one allows the water to filtrate first, the no-till or the conventional? Go ahead and pour. See what happens. I was taught if you till the soil, I'm going to make it more fluffy. I'm going to allow more water to come in. Look at the no-till soil. Same soils, different management. Can you guys see that? Look at the conventional. Look at the pore spaces. How come it's cloudy on the top like that? 
The biotic glues are no longer holding the tiny clays in the silts. So the first act of erosion is downward. I tell people in this country, we do not have a runoff problem. We have an infiltration problem. We have a soil function problem. And this is happening globally. How many of you understand this is affecting our climate? This is the climate issue. Not so much that the other things do not contribute. But we never talk about this. This is the cooling mechanism for the planet. You cannot have rain without plant and soil, period. Cannot have it. A majority of our ground is uncovered, and a majority of the water is running off our land. We have a dysfunctional water cycle. Now, this soil right here, you point it right here, look at that one. What happens to all the nutrients when it rains? Right to the river, right to the lake. See, the completion of the water cycle is when the water goes into the soil first, not the river and the lake. I would have never known that part of the water cycle is the microbes. Ecology teaches us everything is one. Everything's connected. Quantum physics, everything is one. <clears throat> Theology, everything is one. You need to learn the principle of oneness. Why? Because if you go out there and you go do something, you're going to have unintended consequences. Nothing out there on the farm happens singularly. In your life, too, you make a bad decision, it can have an upward cascading positive effect or a downward cascading downward effect. Everything is connected. Everything is one. So the more you emulate nature, the more freedom you will have. We talk about these principles. These principles should be internalized, memorized. I break them up into two sections, the ecology and the sociology. You cannot separate them. These three are for humans. These are powerful. If you don't get these three, you won't do the other five. One of them is reduce your disturbance. Reduce disturbance. Careful how you spray. Careful how you till. Cover the soil all the time. Living root. Diversity, diversity. Integrate animals. These other three towards a human is understand context. Context, context, context. Adaptive management. Holistic planning and thinking. And the last one, human integrity. You cannot have ecological integrity on your operation without human integrity. What do I mean by integrity? The integrity to study. The integrity to never give up. Integrity not to care what the neighbors think about you. It takes integrity. It takes leadership to never give up. Let's start in history so it can give us a perspective how we need to go. Because as I've been doing this for 31 years... Okay, there's a great book I definitely recommend. It's called Collapse. Jared Diamond went all over the world, and he looked at all kinds of nations, races, and it was interesting to find out. Because we have touted many other races to be a lot better stewards. How many remember, some of you are going to be too young, but how many of you remember those Native American commercials when we were young, and remember the trash, and you can see the Native Americans' tears. Do you remember that? And it gave the auspice that you know, the Native Americans were doing a really good job of taking care of the land. Where Dr. Jared Diamond found out none of the races did very well in taking care of the land. All of us had our flaws. All of us have been, I come from a European background. We've always been touted that Europeans were always the ones that didn't take care of the land. It's not true. Every race has had their issue. Stephen Hawking just died. He said, we spend a lot of time dealing with studying history. And let's face it, it's mostly a history of stupidity. 
Let me show you what he's talking about. I used to think, because we have a cell phone, we've been to the moon, we, we can drive these awesome cars, you can go on your Dodge crew cab and life is good. Man, they didn't have it that good. But you know that their societies were just as sophisticated as ours? Let me give you an example. You see those pillars? That's in Belbek, Lebanon. Belbek. Heliopolis. That was created by the Romans. It's 1,200 tons each one weighs. We have no equipment that can move them. No modern equipment can move it. How did they do it? Let me show you and tell you folks that was once vegetated. How do we know that? Recent petroglyphs found wildlife scenes. They just found these that they had camels, animals, ostriches, horses. This were once vegetated areas. And I'm saying, how can that be? I'm only 56 years old and I feel like I woke up in a really bad rated movie that the land has been so destroyed. Why are we still here? And from generation, from generation to generation, why are we still here? What are the three major tools for the destruction of the majority of the planet? Tillage, overgrazing, and the human acts. Deforestation. Three tools. And what do we blame? It's the tools. But it's never looked as the human using the tool. See, today they blame cows for the problems we have in the West. It has never been the cow. The problem is the human being. And then we use another tool once we destroy the land enough. It's called the gun and the sword to take it from somebody else. We're creatures of tools, but it's never been the tool. Let me show you Iowa, 2017. Iowa is still losing 50 tons per the acre in some counties. Look at this other part of Africa. This was given to me three days ago. This is Lubbock, Texas. And we have spent billions of dollars, billions, I would say even close to trillion. NRCS started in 1935, ladies and gentlemen. I've been working with the agency 32 years, and we still have this problem. I got kicked out of, uh, I got kicked out of uh, Wisconsin because the, the person in charge over there with NRCS was mad because I said our lakes and rivers are filled with nutrient and conservation plans, but not crystal clear with understanding. Why did he get so mad? Because he knows we tout that we're a planning agency. See, I'm not about tools. I'm not about planning. I'm about none of that. I'm about you understanding the system. I remember going to a big old conference. Howard Buffett was there. All of these superstars of covers and no-till were there. And at the end of the conference, somebody stood up and said, oh my, we want to have 20 million acres by the year 2025. I smacked my head and I said, no, I want 20 million minds that understand soil health and ecology, and we will change the world. We will change the world, and we are changing the world. You know what I see now because our soils are so degraded and we have been so dependent on the tools? I drive all over. This is what I see. I see communities dying. See, ladies and gentlemen, the farmer was the conduit of the community. All the money flowed through the soil, through the land, through the farmer, and it fed and supported the gas station and the grocery store and the small community. But see, now the wealth has flown up towards corporate America, to John Deere, <coughs> to the equipment, to the fertilizers, <coughs> to the chemical, and all them. Am I opposed to the tools? Did you say that, did I? The wealth flows through you, and it stays in the community. <coughs> this is what I see. Arkansas, Iowa, over here, there's every part of our country has been besmirched. And that money has flown out of rural America.
because we have destroyed our souls. We have lost the art of farming. And this is the result. Recently, 2016, farmers have the highest suicide rate, ranchers and farmers, in 2016. And I said, how can that be? They're the one that interface with God's creation every day of what's going on. Because the farmers and ranchers have to maintain such incredible infrastructure. The chemicals and the tools, prices keep going up. And the price for the food and for the grain is still the same or going lower. And the stress, it shouldn't have to be that way. But if we farm in nature's image, we can reverse this. And it's being reversed. And I'm so excited about it. Because the farmers are catching on. It is workshops like this. We are changing the country. We're catching it. We're getting it. It only took us five bazillion years to get here. But I think we know the re now the number one goal. So people ask me, Ray, what's the goal? Don't ever forget the goal. Farm like nature. That is the goal. It's not no-till. It's not organic. It's not cover crops. Emulate the ecosystem. Emulate nature. I'm going to show you how we're doing it. Because the moment you say a tool or you make the cover crop the goal, you're lost. You are lost. That is not the goal. A majority of the reason people give up the covers, the reason they, it's they of the problem. It's the way we think. It's the way we look at the natural system, guys. I've had to change completely the way I look at everything. Another thing that's hurt us is our schools. See, we came, all of us were very impacted by our schools. We are very data-driven. There's nothing wrong with data. This is what I want you guys to learn today. Principles. Don't be careful with data. Understand the principles of soil health. You understand, and you're a principle-minded person, you will win. You need to understand the principles of the ecology and how the system works. That's the key. Now, let me talk to you about reductionism and holism. How many of you... Your parents came from European background. Raise your hand. All of us, right? Every one of us came from a European background. So why am I asking you this? We have been exposed to the Greeks and Romans. If you watch the pillars of, of, of Washington, D.C., what's the architecture? Greeks and Romans. We have been infiltrated by them in their thought process. They are very matter-of-fact, data-linear. Cool, we need reductionism. But guess what? What is reductionism? Is this. You take an object or you study down to its individual little piece. You break it down to its smallest component. The only problem with reductionism is it doesn't work with human health and living systems in agriculture. You have to back off and look. That's why the medical field in agriculture is such a mess. See, when you go to the doctor, what does the doctor do? He reduces you. He says, you've got to go to the liver doctor, to the brain doctor, to the pancreas doctor. The first doctor should be the most holistic and know how the whole body works together. Agronomists are the same way. I was an agronomist. I threw pieces, reductionism. When I left college, I was like this. Could not see the whole. Reductionism is powerful. Please don't misunderstand me. We couldn't get to the moon without reductionism. We couldn't have a car. You couldn't have a cell phone. Reductionism treats nature like a machine. That was the scientists in the past, in the 1600s. They're trying to explain an anatomy of a duck, like little clogs and gears and all that explaining. We look at the soil the same way. It's dirt. It's dirt. It's just something to be tilled. It's a growing mill. 
When I would go out there on my farm, I would see the prairie, or I would see wherever, depending where my context the farm was taken out of, that's the prairie, that's the woods, this is the farm. No, it's not. It's always been part of the planet Earth. It's always been together. They work the same way. That's holism. All the pieces working together as a collective whole. If you do not look your farm as a holistic person, you will get lost. You will make very bad mistakes. You will eventually go broke. Now, let me show you what happens with reductionism. You see this soil right here? That's aggregated. I want my soils to have lots and lots of cottage cheese and till. Now, here's what I want everybody to do. Write this down. Farmers, this is your homework assignment. It's a little warm, but you can do it right now. There's no snow. You're going to go to your grass waterway, and you're going to go to your woods. And I want you to grab a shovel, and I want you to get one from your field, and I want you to prepare yourself. Here's what you're going to find out. You're not going to like what you see. Your grass waterway, your woods will be extremely aggregated. Your, your major fields will not be as aggregated. Those are the lungs of the soil. That's the cottage cheese. First thing I do when I walk in your house, at your place, I, dig a I get a shovel. Go to your garden. Go right next to where you haven't touched it. Check it out. Most of the time, the woods and the grass waterway, the diaper will be darker and more aggregation in your own field. Don't compare yourself with your neighbor. I tell people, you want to go broke? Compare yourself with your neighbor. Mimic your waterway and the diverse waterway and the woods. Now, college. They taught me this in college. They said, now, Ray, the biology and the physical and chemical are all equal. Look at the circle, all the same size. And then the organic matter, right in the middle, it's the most important thing. It's soil health. How many agree with that? Raise your hand. Come on, guys. Be committed. Yay or nay? Yay? Nay. How many don't know? How many feel you're being set up? <laughs> you guys are smart. You are being set up. I used to think biology was all equal. They are not. Biology builds the physical, builds the glue, builds the aggregate, makes the organic matter. Biochemistry regulates chemistry, inorganic. Biology should be the big circle. It was never the same. Soil is alive. And if it's alive, it changes the way you manage it. If you walk away with one concept today, the power of life, you will never look at your fields again the same way. Then you will change your management. You know what most farmers, when they want to give me a blowback, this is a regular understanding. It's too cold. It's too wet here. It won't work here. Our soils are different. Oh, I get it. Microbes stop at the border of Minnesota. You can't go in there. There's no life there. No microbes. You know what we always do? Find distinction. But we never focus on commonality. What do we have in common? Life. Now, these are the four processes every producer should be doing. Write them down. I'm going to go make sure that my farm is capturing solar energy. See, if I don't capture solar energy, I don't feed the plant, I don't have a water cycle. Without the sun, I cannot build aggregates to make the water cycle work, I cannot get nutrient cycling, and I cannot get diversity. All of them are connected. Do not look at them as distinctly different. They're the same. You've got to... You cannot have diversity without the plant. You cannot have a water cycle without the plant. You cannot have a nutrient cycle without the plant. You have to understand that. Let's go to the first one. Capturing sun. My job 
is this right here, ladies and gentlemen. I have to, you all interface with it right there at ground level. The way you manage your animals, your cattle, the way you put your plants on. Notice here how this water cycle, the, car, the water cycle, the nitrogen cycle, and diversity have been diminished here. Bare ground. Look at the conduit of energy right here. It's all about the roots. We got to feed and capture sun and leak liquid sun into the soil. That's our job. It's pretty simple. Guess what I saw when I drove up here? I saw a lot of bare ground, leaking nutrients, capturing no sun. Majority of Minnesota, Iowa, Illinois, the majority of our country, uncovered, losing money. But yet, they'll complain when they have to write the front of the check again. You cover the ground, you start writing the back of the check. Our job, capture sun. What's happening globally is a huge amount of the energy of the sun is being reflected. It's not being captured. It's called sensible heat. So we're not capturing huge amounts of energy at all. Soil temperatures are climbing up all over the globe. The white is 160 degrees. Even in your summers, write this down, once you go over 113 degrees in your soil temperatures, enzymatic activity shuts down. Enzymes for nutrient cycling shut down. If your soil temperatures get over 113, you're gonna hurt yield. Enzymes start shutting down. So a lot of the country, the globe is reflecting a lot of heat. How many have flown in an airplane, gone out west, and the plane shakes violently? Have you experienced that? This was high turbulence, this hot air called sensible heat going up, and it's pushing the rain clouds away. How many realize that 40% of our rain comes from inland? 40% of our rain comes from this. Plants evaporating and transpiring, and the humidity goes up in the moisture, and then the rain goes on the land. 40% of our rain. 60% comes from the ocean. So the more bare ground we have, the more we mess up the small water cycle. And then when we do get the rain, it is violent, and it's intermittent, and it's not consistent. The soil is naked, hungry, thirsty, and running a fever. The beauty about this, we can get this healed quickly once we change the human mind the way it thinks. So here's our job. Our job is as soon as you get your corn and your soybean out, cover it. Cover it. We have leaks in the spring. We're spilling sun. Leak, spilling sun. Our job is to cover it. We have farmers now going to shorter varieties, and they're following their, their harvester with a no-till drill. They will hire a person to run the no-till drill. They will not miss a day. You've got to be organized. You've got to be planned. You've got to make sure. You've got to be committed to the cover crop. I tell people, do not do cover crop unless you're committed. Unless you look at your cover crop as your regular crop, don't do it. Because you will do it half-heartedly, and you, if it fails, you'll go to the coffee shop, and you'll blast the only regenerative practice we have in the nation. I rather not, you not do it. Continue to be addicted to the chemical companies and be controlled. But if you're committed... You give us three years of cover crops, right? Three years. You got major changes happening in three to five years. I have producers that no longer use fungicides, no longer use insecticides. There's 75% reduction on herbicides, no chemical nitrogen in operation. Reduce their fuel by 66%. The moment you go to no-till, 66% reduction in fuel right off the top of the bat. And nobody ever talks about that. Rarely. 
Now, how many of you use this shovel on a regular basis when you go out in your field? Got a couple. Now, when you go now, you will always take a shovel with you. Commune with your soil. You pick it up and you smell that heavy, earthy smell. That's created by actinobacteria and they release Josemin. Scientists say it increases the endorphins of your brain. If you get depressed about the prices, get a chunk of soil, go to the back 40 and go sniff. <laughs> I feel better. It'll increase the endorphins. Now the water cycle. Water cycle. Okay, so here's the issue. Right here's our job. This is a functional water cycle. This is a dysfunctional. Right down to the aggregate. You've got to think all the way to the aggregate. When you're on your operation, you've got to ask yourself, am I building aggregates? Am I building cottage cheese? Because it's all about infiltration. I get no infiltration, no nutrient cycling. These fungi create these biotic glues. These critters, all these critters are responsible for it. But if you plow them and disc them and you spray them, it affects infiltration. We've got two more cycles. The bio-geonutrient cycling. 90% of nutrient cycling is biological. Please understand that. Let me show you this. This is called bioturbation. We are moving from tillage to bioturbation. This is the way nature tills. Notice her tillage. Right here on this side is just fungi and bacteria. Now look at the arthropods, the earthworms. Look at the critters. I love them because they don't complain. They show up to work on time. I don't need to put diesel on them. They don't have to walk in the time clock. All you got to do is give them carbon, food, plants. All of us have something in common here. Everybody in this room, that farm, you both have sand, silt, and clay. But what you don't have in common is how much organic matter the glues have you done in pushing carbon in the system. How much have you mimicked nature? See, it's those glues that entomb and cover the sands and silts and clays and embeds all the trace minerals right there. And the fungi do that. See, without the fungi, I'll talk about these later, and I will tell you, disking, too much manure, tillage, over-fertilization hurts these. Without our mycorrhiza, this is a plant without the fungi. It can only get this much nutrients. But with the fungi, they get access to all those nutrients. And guess what the fungi don't like? They don't like tillage, over-application of phosphorus. They don't like too much Manures, you gotta back off, back off, back off, and they hate fallow and they hate bare ground. And they don't like the fungicide. Does this sound like everything we do in agriculture? Pretty much. Diversity, 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 diversity. We are doing diverse mixes. I found that nature is more collaborative than she is competitive. Here's a great paper, you need to write it down the stress gradient hypothesis. No, Dr. Mark Burtness. What he's shown, he went and did all the meta-analysis, he went through all the literature. He found out under severe stressful conditions, nature does not compete, but it collaborates. Diversity is awesome. The power is awesome. More on the Land Stewardship Project Soil Builders Network, see landstewardshipproject.org. There you'll find fact sheets, resources, videos, and information on upcoming workshops. If you have comments or suggestions about this podcast, contact Brian DeVore at bdevore at landstewardshipproject.org, or you can call 612-722-6377. Thanks to Laura Borgendale, a Western Minnesota musician, for Ear to the Grounds theme music. 
And a special thank you to all of Land Stewardship Project's members who make initiatives such as this podcast possible. If you're not a member, visit landstewardshipproject.org to learn how you can support LSP. Thanks for listening. Thank you.